Did the accused Delphi murderer's wife turn him in? Is everyone on OnlyFans a hot mess? Someone was taking their grades just a little too serious in this particular case. Be careful what you wish for when you pass bail reform. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Good day, everyone. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Thanks for joining us. Before we get to the docket, you know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't, like if you do, hit that bell so you receive notifications of when we go live or put up new content. And remember, you can always listen to us on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Just type in Crime Talk with Scott Reich. All right, let's go ahead and open the record for November 2nd of 2022. Did Richard Allen's wife turn him in? That's right. Richard Allen is the man accused in the Delphi homicides. Well, he was arrested last week for the 2017 double slaying of the teens, uh, Liberty, Liberty, Germany, and Abigail, Abby Williams. And they worked and lived in the same community as Mr. Allen. Now, Allen has been charged with two counts of murder for uh, their killing. And the police say this is a major break in the mysterious Hoffensides that have uh, basically baffled investigators for nearly six years. Now, the suspect has absolutely no criminal history and worked as a pharmacy technician at the local CVS in town, which is Delphi, and they have 3,000 people in the town. You think somebody would have recognized something, right? We'll talk about that in a second. But as I noted, this guy has no criminal history. He has almost nothing when somebody runs a background check on this guy. He is so plain boring. It's unbelievable. I mean, what do we know about the guy? He's never been arrested. Um, he has a modest home worth roughly $140,000. He drives two Ford Focuses built back in 2010 and 2011. Like I said, his house built in 1999, three bedroom, two bath, a rough value of $142,000. This guy's just an everyday Joe, and now he's accused regarding the Delphi murder. Now, as we've noted, the girl's disappearance on February 13th after a hike on the Monon High Bridge Trail. They were reported missing that night and their bodies were found uh, in the woods the next day in a wooded area about a half mile from the railroaded bridge. Now, investigators searched Allen's home two weeks ago, focusing on the property, and apparently there's a fire pit on the property. Now, the search yielded some evidence that led to his arrest, okay? The police just didn't randomly decide to go over to Mr. Allen's house. There had to be something that led them to him. After nearly six years, what could it have been? Now, there's been some... I don't want to use the word speculation, but some people have suggested that perhaps the wife was the one that found something, called the police. The police got an affidavit for a search warrant. They found more information. And then, well, here we are. So Mr. Allen appeared before the Carroll County Circuit Court, entered a plea of not guilty, and a tentative trial date has been set for early next year. And Mr. Allen is being held without bond. And the sealed probable cause affidavit and charging documents also 
have not been released in this particular case. Now, I know the police want to protect the integrity of the investigation, but it makes you wonder a couple of questions. Why are they not confident? Are they not sure what they're looking for is going to come back as to what they're looking for? Or is there somebody else involved? I don't know. I'm leaning towards somebody found something out, contacted the police, and then here we are. Let me know what you think or if you have a tip or an idea of what may take place. Next on the docket, is everyone that's an OnlyFans model a complete hot mess? I'm starting to think so. So the man who was stabbed to death by his OnlyFans model girlfriend has been apparently secretly recording her tirade of verbal abuse, including her calling her boyfriend uh, using the inappropriate N-word in the months before he was killed. Now, Courtney Clenny is facing seven second-degree murder charges after Christian Obumselli was fatally knifed in the chest at their Miami apartment while the two were having an argument back in April. Now, the recording submitted as evidence in the murder trial and uh, hearings now show that Clenny shouted racial slurs at her boyfriend, berating and cursing him in public and in private. In one, she calls Obumselli the N-word multiple times, tells him to man up and basically shut up and let me slap you and using some more derogatory terms. Now, Obumselli can be heard apologizing in the clips as they fight about him saying hello to one of his female friends while he was out riding his bike. In another clip, Clinty barks at Obumselli to find her cell phone before the audio ends with her shouting, I want you to get away from me. Body cam footage recorded the day before she allegedly stabbed her boyfriend shows that Miss Clenny begging and sobbing to police to help her get a restraining order against her boyfriend. Her lawyers are trying to argue that she stabbed Obumselli in self-defense and that the day earlier she was visibly shaken and fearful as she accused him of stalking her. Now, this also comes as footage of the pair uh, emerged inside an elevator, which revealed Clenny throwing punches at her partner just two months before he was stabbed to death. Now, Clenny could be seen viciously slapping and pulling Ombomselli's hair as he desperately tried to fend off her blows, but her attorney says that the harrowing clip lacks content and her actions were in fact reactionary. In the clips filled on April 2nd, the couple was seen walking into the lobby of the luxury Miami high-rise where Clenny lived with Obumselli, where a doorman tells them that there had been a domestic disturbance. A tearful and upset Clenny is seen talking on her phone before asking the doorman to let her into the apartment after she locked herself out. She then explained that she broke up with Obumselli a week earlier and her mother had come to stay with her and to help her out. She also claimed, however, that he had been sleeping in her elevator room the entire time. She said, I broke up with him and he slept inside my elevator room on a couch. Isn't that stalking? He wouldn't leave me alone, she told the officers. And the scene in the body cam footage is chaotic with multiple people speaking over each other. And at one point, Clenny, who is shaken, uh, tries to, uh, to get the officers to listen to her. Now, the last month, the 911 call for the OnlyFans model made uh, after the stabbing her boyfriend to death revealed how she sobbed, quote, baby, Baby, I'm so sorry after stabbing him. Uh, Clenny called police after stabbing Mr. Obumselli, and uh, it was a sad end to the couple's tumultuous relationship. The audio also showed how she was begging the paramedics to hurry to the apartment and uh, basically saying that uh, my boyfriend is dying of a stab wound. She didn't tell the operator that uh, she 
was the one that stabbed him, sobbed to him about how sorry she was. In the background, you can hear Album Selly crying out, I can't feel my arm. Well, Miss Clenny is now in custody on charges of second-degree murder. Although Miss Clenny may be one of the first, I don't think she's going to be the last of the OnlyFans model that makes it to crime talk. Like many Americans, we got a dog during the pandemic. My quarantine dog, Miss Winnie the Bulldog. Now, Miss Winnie has grown accustomed to being around us all the time. When we were leaving the house, Winnie would have extreme anxiety, so we decided to look for natural products to help with her anxiety. We looked for the highest quality CBD treats, and we were not satisfied, and neither was Winnie. So we created a high quality CBD product that absorbs faster and provides the required results faster. Baked in Colorado CBD treats and beverage enhancers are made with nanotechnology. The nanotechnology makes the CBD extraction more pure, also allows for Baked in Colorado products to work faster. Baked in Colorado products can help reduce your pet's anxiety, ease joint pain, and help with your dog's skin problems. Go to our online store and see what Baked in Colorado product is best for your dog. When you order at bakedincolorado.com, enter code WINNIE and receive 15% off your first order. We have a 30-day money-back guarantee. If your dog does not experience the desired results in 30 days, return the product and we will refund your money. No questions asked. All right. We all want our children to take their studies seriously, but this, I think, is just taking it a little too far. So two Iowa teenagers allegedly killed their high school Spanish teacher last year because of frustration over bad grades. Now, the prosecutors alleged in court that they're revealing a motive in the gruesome slain really for the first time. The, the uh, pleadings were filed ahead of a hearing that's going to be held today where a judge will hear arguments on whether to suppress any of the evidence against Willard Miller and Jeremy Goodale, who are charged with murdering their high school Spanish teacher, Noema Graber, uh, in a small town in Fairfield. Now, a lawyer for Mr. Miller is asking the court in Fairfield to invalidate four search warrants to suppress evidence from Mr. Miller's home, comments he made to police and information taken from his cell phone and the social media platform Snapchat. The Spanish teacher's body was found in Fairfield Park on November 3rd of 2021, hidden under a tarp, wheelbarrow, and railroad ties. She had been beaten to death with it's believed to be a baseball bat. Young Messrs. Miller and Goodale were only 16 at the time. And uh, Fairfield is a town of about 9,400 people that uh, is about 100 miles from Des Moines. Now, investigators found that Miller met with Graber at Fairfield High School on the afternoon of November 2nd of 2021 to discuss his poor grades in her class. Graber later drove her van to a park where she was known to take daily walks after school, and witnesses saw her van leaving the park less than an hour later with two males in the front seat. The van was left at the end of a rural road, and after getting a phone call from Goodale, a witness later picked up Goodale and Miller as they walked to town on the road. In a police interview, the young Mr. Miller described his frustrations with how Graber taught Spanish and how the grade in her class was lowering his GPA. The poor grade is believed to be the motive behind the murder, which directly connects Miller, according to these court documents. Now, Mr. Miller initially denied any involvement in Graber's disappearance, but later stated he had knowledge of everything, but did not participate. He told police that the real killers are a group of roving group of masked kids and they forced him to provide his wheelbarrow to help move her body 
and to drive her van from the park. Now, these court documents say a witness provided photos of a Snapchat conversation that identify Goodale's admission that he acted in concert with another person to bring about Graber's death. The witness identified Goodale as making these statements that implicate both Goodale and Miller by name. Now, Mr. Miller's lawyer says that the search warrants were issued illegally in part because law enforcement failed to provide information to the issuing magistrate to show that the informant was reliable or that the information from the informant should be considered reliable. That's a necessary element when submitting an affidavit based upon information from a source, something that the officers could not observe themselves. You have to be able to say, hey, this is corroborated or, hey, we've used this source of information on numerous occasions. They've always been right. Now, Graber disappeared on November 2nd and was subsequently reported missing by her concerned family the next morning. Later that day, the teacher's remains uh, were found under the tarp on November 3rd. Cops have said the uh, killing was premeditated with the motive not being confirmed until these recent filings. Uh, there's other documents that allege that Miller and Goodale had discussed the murder on social media after the killing, but did not offer specifics on the nature of those postings. Now, other court filings uh, detailed the extent of the uh, damning com criminal complaints against the two teens, which revealed that Miller admitted to investigators that he took part in the murder. The interview saw Mr. Miller admit that he'd been at the park as the murder was taking place and even helped hide Miss Graber's body. Now, Goodale, meanwhile, was said to have worn bloodied clothes, although investigators still haven't said who they suspect actually beat the teacher to death. Doesn't matter. They were acting in concert. It wasn't a conspiracy. It was complicity. If you encourage, assist, aid somebody in the commission of an offense, you're guilty just like you did it yourself. Doesn't matter. Further uh, pleadings in the case revealed that the an associate of both Goodale and Miller provided information detailing these social media exchanges between the two teens, indicating that Goodale knew specific details pertaining to Graber's disappearance and death. A search warrant was then executed by the police. They searched Goodale's residence, uncovering multiple clothing items, appearing to have a substance con consistent in appearance with that of blood. Now, both teens, now 17, are going to be tried as an adult. And in Iowa, the penalty for a first-degree murder conviction is life in prison. However, unless, of course, you were a juvenile when you committed the crime, and because of some recent Supreme Court rulings, both in Iowa and the United States Supreme Court, juveniles have to give, be given an opportunity to get paroled, usually about 40 years after you've been in prison. We'll continue to follow that one. Are you kidding me? A grade? A Spanish grade? Are you serious? I got an idea. Maybe study more. Quit complaining less about the teacher. Maybe they could have sent their mom or dad in to try to raise their grade. I don't know. I just don't get it. What the hell is going on in the world? I just don't get it. Next, this is what happens when everybody wants to do bail reform. Be careful what you wish for, okay? Bail reform has helped me look good in front of some of my clients. As a member of the community, I am shocked and outraged at some of the low bonds or personal recognizance bonds that have been given in cases. You know, when you're standing there in front of the judge and you're saying, please let my client out of jail and your head is shaking. No, no, don't do it. No, just saying. I got to live in the community too. 
Well, a mother of three was literally executed in front of her kids less than 24 hours after her husband, her estranged husband, was sprung from jail on no bail over being caught on camera beating her down, and it's actually being posted on Facebook in a desperate plea for help by the woman. Now, the shocking case in Governor Kathy Hochul's western New York hometown has sparked a little bit of outrage to apparently New Yorkers, no cash bail law, and to the governor of uh, fellow Democrats for refusing to repeal the no bail laws. Now, Adam Benefield, who has a prior conviction for, you know, kidnapping another ex-girlfriend at gunpoint, well, he's now charged with shooting dead his 30-year-old wife, Kiera Benfield. Now, the victim was taking her young children, ages six months to nine years, to school on the morning of October 5th, when police allege he ambushed her on the road and gunned her down. Benfield was free to carry out the alleged murder after being released from custody a day earlier, despite the horrific attack on his wife inside her home. The estranged hubby was hit with misdemeanor charges and served an order of protection, which is only as good as the piece of paper it's written on. Yeah, that's right, not much. Which police said he promptly violated to carry out the brutal killings of his wife. Shocking. Ah, who saw that coming? Ah, I did. Yeah. Well, Kier Benfield had shared the footage of Mr. Benfield punching, kicking, and slapping her on Facebook in a cry for help less than a week before she was murdered. In the week since then, the uh, Grim Slain, questions have continued to mount as to whether more could have been done to prevent Kier's demise. The ordeals first erupted back in September 28th when Kier called 911 to say Benfield had punched her in her home. Police responded to the domestic violence call and obtained an arrest warrant for Mr. Benefield for harassment. Police noted that Kiera didn't need to be hospitalized for treatment and told her to call if her estranged husband returned to the home. The mom posted the disturbing video, which was captured on surveillance cameras inside her home later that evening with the harrowing message, this is what this man does to me, but I'm always treated like I'm the abuser. The nearly eight-minute video allegedly showed Benfield tackling his wife, pinning her down, and savagely punching her repeatedly. Mr. Benfield was arrested over the attack a week later after Kiera showed police the footage. But despite the shocking beatdown on video, Mr. Benfield was only hit with a string of misdemeanor charges, including third-degree assault, fourth-degree criminal mischief, second-degree menacing, and second-degree unlawful imprisonment. He was arraigned on October 4th and was released because state law prevented the judge from setting bail due to the low-end charges. Ladies and gentlemen, I understand. People can get sideways with the law. I get that. And you can change. But then you have to not get in trouble. But when you repeatedly get in trouble... Judges should look at that and say, past performance is indicative of future results. You have a lengthy criminal history. Why would I believe anything's going to change? At a certain point, you are a danger to the community and probably a flight risk from showing up for court. So you set a high bail. It's just common sense. Been doing it for hundreds of years. And now all of a sudden somebody wants to try something new? How's that working out for everybody? Just saying.
Now, there was zero evidence for anything higher than that, according um, to the misdemeanor charges, according to the district attorney, and the charges were uh, correctly charged. The judge had no choice but to release him in person. And now adding a little insult to the injury under the bail reform enacted by the state legislature and um, upheld by Hochul, the judge couldn't even consider Benfield's 2000 conviction and 15-year prison sentence for kidnapping the ex-girlfriend slash wife and another woman at gunpoint because New York is one of the few states across the U.S. that doesn't allow the judges to weigh the dangerousness of the perpetrator in considering bail. You know what? I think should everyone that gets arrested for violent crime should get released and they should have to reside at a state legislator's house or maybe the governor. How about that? You know, I'm a firm believer of putting your money where your mouth is. If you really believe in something, go all in. Do it. Legislature should have no problem. I mean, they passed the law. They must support it, right? Have them come stay with them. Don't be worried. Don't worry about that 15-year prison sentence for kidnapping somebody and assaulting them. I'm sure he's changed. Bygones. Come on. Well, even if Mr. Benefield was charged with a bail-eligible offense, the judge still couldn't consider dangerousness under the current law. Even some of the politicians, including Mayor Adams, have asked the legislature to change the bail laws so that the judges can have the power to remand suspects that are deemed a threat in the community. Because just remember, ladies and gentlemen, the next victim could be you. Well, needless to say, the subsequent order of protection that the judge issued well, didn't really work now, did it? No, it didn't. And, you know, New York, they don't like people have firearms. God forbid you want to protect yourself. Oh, that's right. Dangerousness. Shouldn't worry about that. Although the felon had a gun to attack the wife. Uh-huh. But he shouldn't have the gun. Oh, that's right. I, I don't even know what to say, ladies and gentlemen. This is like an absolute lesson in common sense. Well, the following morning, Kier was so scared for her life that she reportedly donned a bulletproof vest and set off on the school run with her kids. As she drove the kids to school, the estranged husband crashed into her vehicle, pulled out a shotgun that he shouldn't have had as a convicted felon, just saying, how could he have gotten that in New York? Because guns are basically banned in New York. My goodness. How did that have happened? Oh, that's right. He wasn't following the law. Well, he fired a bunch of fatal blasts and then fled. He was nabbed about a week later after a manhunt and was held, guess this, without bail. Shocking. Well, Mr. Benefield is due in court again today where he pled not guilty to murder, aggravated criminal contempt, and three counts of endangering the welfare of a child. And then finally, ladies and gentlemen, our dumb criminal of the day. I do not know what to say other than it seems to be a trend. We had a food trend for a while where a lot of people were being assaulted because of food. And now we seem to be having lots of assaults taking place because of toys of the adult nature. Shall I continue? Well, apparently a dispute over possession of a sex toy turned a little violent Saturday and resulted in the arrest of a Florida woman for battering her boyfriend. Now, the police responded to a domestic violence situation at home in the area of Fort 
Pierce. Police interviewed the male victim who said that he and his wife, Chelsea White, were having a verbal argument over a handbag and a sex toy that, quote, he owned, end quote. As the argument progressed, the victim asked Miss White to return the sex toy to him because it was his. However, White refused to give the sex toy back to the complaining victim, the male. Well, needless to say, the adult item is not further described in the arrest affidavit, frankly, because I don't want to know. Well, unable to secure the return of his sex toy, the 33-year-old victim picked up White's handbag and declared, I have your bag. Give me back my property. You don't take a woman's handbag. Well, struggle ensued over control of the purse where it's alleged that White allegedly kicked and bit her husband. The victim, cops say, punched Miss White to make her stop biting him. I bet that was better than the toy he wanted back, right? Well, after investigators concluded that uh, White was the primary aggressor, during the 8.30 battle in the morning at the couple's residence, she was arrested for domestic battery and booked in the jail on misdemeanor charges and is held there on a $500 bond. So you can beat up your wife on video, but you get in a dispute with your partner over some toys and you get a $500 bond. Huh, go figure. Hey, that's all we have for you today. I hope you're having a great day. We'll see you next time on Crime Talk.